0: Sandler doesn't overdo the basketball scout character Stanley Sugarman; he lives it. That's from film critic Dwight Brown, one of our feature reviews this week. It is hustle. We're calling it new, although I'll be honest, I know the movie came out last June. I finally saw it because the SAG nominations came out, and Adam Sandler got nominated for Best Actor. I So maybe he'll get nominated for an Oscar, mm. which he didn't, but still SAG nomination, which is why I saw it now. Our other new movie. Again, we're stretching it a little bit. The Good Nurse came out, I think, in November, and what the hell, it's January, but it's still new to me, and I watched it. Why? Because Eddie Redmayne got nominated for Best Supporting Act at the SAG Awards, and I said he might get nominated for an Oscar because he got nominated for a Golden Globe Award and a Critics' Choice Award. Didn't get nominated for an Oscar. (laughs) It's all good. I got my SAG Award nominations out of the way, and an old movie, which I love, called Natural Born Killers. The reason why I did this one was Woody Harrelson is in the film, which is one of the biggest surprises of the Oscar nominations. Triangle of Sadness is up for Best Picture. It's a foreign film with a cast you don't know except for Woody Harrelson. So I said, if I think of Woody Harrelson and my favorite movies of his, I do love Natural Born Killers. But, of course, it is Oscars time, which is the main event today, Oscar nominations, and our reaction to it. Coming up next week, by the way, I just got a screener sent to me for 80 for Brady. So we'll be watching that movie. Uh, the new Eddie Murphy, Jonah Hill movie, You People. That's on Netflix opening up this Friday. And there's something else. Uh, oh, the Josh Dumel, Jennifer Lopez movie as well. Shotgun Wedding opening up at the theaters. So I don't know if I'm going to see all these movies, but that will be coming up uh, in the weeks ahead. And speaking of Shotgun Wedding, haven't seen the film yet, but Jennifer Lopez, Josh Dumel coming up today on the podcast. Had some press conference yeah, sound. Like, they're hey, joining no, from us. No, no,
1: it's not a press conference. They're joining us.
0: Oh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. We, we interviewed them ourselves. Sorry. Me and Chris. <laughs> now, you won't hear our voices, but we did interview Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel. It's going to be awesome. All right. Oscar nominations. Let's do it. Here's what's great about the Oscar nominations. It's a lot like sports because even when you've seen as many sports as me and Chris have, there's always something you can say, well, I've never seen that before. I wasn't expecting that as invested as you are as knowledgeable as you can be as many movies as i watch there's still always a couple of gasps and today first time ever on disney plus live nominations 8:30 a.m. got the kids to school came home at 8:35 i'm like i'm missing a little bit you can watch it from the beginning disney plus getting in on the oscar nomination game you know Remember- you're a geek when
1: Remember last year, I did this from Adam McKay's house. Remember last year? It was yes. like the week of Super Bowl week, Jeez. and we went to Adam McKay's house, and we were like at his watch party at 5 a.m. or whatever time it was in L.A. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was I, we were, me and Woody were just talking about that. That's weird that last year we were at Adam McKay's house for the, the nominations.
0: <laughs> but what isn't weird is that Adam McKay may be able to hook us up with Oscar hey, tickets, right? We're, we're, we're working, working it right now. now.
1: We're pulling some strings. Is that what you do to strings? We're pulling some strings. Yeah, pulling we're talking strings. to people. We are aiming, you and I, on behalf of Metal Arc Media, to cover the Oscars. It might not happen, but we're trying.
0: All right. I love that tease. Um, I will do a couple little headlines, and we're going to go through category by category. But as I said, there was a few gasps. Um, the big one was what happened with Best Actress in a leading role. Another gasp as well when it came for uh, international films. But, of course, I was I – was, listen, every year there's always the one nomination. You go, if this happens, I will be overjoyed. And there's the one nomination, if this happens, I'm going to be outraged. The one nomination, I'd be outraged. We all know Tom Cruise, for best actor, did not happen. That's okay. why we still have a podcast. Otherwise, I'd be still screaming at the wind. <laughs> uh, the one that I wanted more than anything, I knew it was going to happen. Zero chance, but I said, if it does, I'll fall off my chair. Mark Rylance for Bones and All, which now two of my friends, Tyler Korn and Alpha l want to text me going... Bones and all is great, and I love This movie. How did he not get any Oscar nominations? I go, he's won an Oscar before. I'm glad there's other people who love it. Claire's husband, by the way, also texted me, he hated it. Dan was like, this movie's terrible. I'm like, well. So he didn't get the nomination, correct? Did not, but I would have gone berserk. But I knew. I says, no chance. So people were tweeting going, oh, Adam going to lose his mind, Top Gun Maverick best picture. I'm like, no. but I knew it was happening. Like, when, yeah, you when you know it's coming, I'm not surprised. The crews, as I said last week, the four were locks for best actor, and then the one we weren't sure about, the one could be Adam Sandler, one could have been Tom Cruise, and who it end up being? Paul Mescal for After Sun, which I didn't care for the film, but I was thrilled that Paul got the nomination. Way to go, Paul. Getting it done. That film, I gave a tepid review. Although, again, Claire Atkins, my friend Al Phelan, they both love the movie. It got got rave reviews from the uh, the indie crowd. It should
1: just say, not Tom Cruise.
0: Yeah. As the fifth. Um, exactly. <laughs> Just make it clear it's not Tom Cruise. Now, of course, my worst nightmare could always come true because he is a producer of Top Gun Maverick and the film is nominated for Best Picture. I was watching the great Chris Connolly, who also used to work at ESPN. I don't know if he still does. He always does those like My Wish features. Yeah. Does an Awesome job. Former so, M-
1: MTV guy back in
0: the yes. day. Yes. So me and Ben love Chris Connelly. We With the two times we worked the Oscars, we had dinner with Chris and the whole crew. He's a really nice guy. And uh, he's got one of the best gigs ever in Oscars history. He announces the people as they hit the red carpet. Like the whole time Ben like Ben is interviewing people, I'm kind of looking around. And I go, can you yeah. believe Connolly's gig? I'm like, that's the best gig going in the world. This guy's like, did- ladies and gentlemen, Angela Bassett. It's like, I'm not a golf guy, but you know what? Golf, when they announce the guy yes. in the tee box. That's now exactly on the tee from Bubba, <laughs> Tiger Woods. Yeah. So Connolly, I'm watching the post-recap nomination show, and I don't know who was hosting. It wasn't Robin Roberts. But I'm like, oh, what about uh, Top Gun Maverick? And he goes, well, I think it has a chance. I'm like, what? Connolly, you're dreaming. And he goes, even though Cruise got snubbed, Best Director got snubbed, this is a film people loved, it, it signals a return to the boxes. I'm not saying it's going to win. I'm saying it has a chance. I hope Chris Connolly is wrong. Let's do all the nominees. Real quick,
1: before we do that, you you mentioned dinner with Chris Conley and it got me thinking the most star-studded, this can't be it, I hope it's not Chris Conley (laughs) that you've (laughs) ever been a part of. Like a dinner where you're like, wow. It would be Chris
0: Cornell, uh, the former lead singer of Soundgarden. No, I wish it was Chris Cornell. I love Chris Cornell, he's great. Um, No, star-studded dinner? Like, like, it's have you still, ever been
1: it, at a dinner with? Like, who's the most famous person you ever been at dinner with?
0: Well, this Saturday I'm going to be at the Baseball Writers Association of America dinner in New York, and they just sent me the list of nominees.
1: I don't mean like a big group like dinner. Like, I don't mean like they're at this in this big like, hall. I mean
0: like you like at Kazzari one table going to be at dinner. You're not counting Hank Azaria. If he's Spike Lee's over there, like that doesn't he has to be at my table. To talking me, it's to like
1: him. you went to dinner. It's not like you're at this ga- gala event and he's mm. here. It's like you're at dinner. Maybe you didn't know him before, but you ended up at dinner with this person. Is Chris Conley number one?
0: <laughs> yeah, it, it might be Chris Conley because there's, there's no other name that's jumping out. Like the ones that I've met are all interviews or as we set up for Jimmy Kimmel's after party. So I'm talking to Michael Kimmel, waiting Boone. for French fries. We're not the same table yet. It would, it would be Booney. Boone. It'd be Rossi. It'd be Alex Cora. It'd be any of those baseball, baseball guys. guys. Movie wise, okay. I'm like, I'm trying to set up a dinner with Bob Costas because my wife goes, I really want to meet him. And I go, okay, I'll text him. I go, Bob, are you going to be at that this dinner? He it. said, no. And then I said to Bob, I go, can we do dinner when you're in the city? He goes, absolutely. So I, Bob Costas. TBA, but that would probably That's be the number one. one. That's yeah, a good My one. wife can't wait. Um, all right, nominees. you want to read the nominees, and I'll react to it? How do you want to do it? I can do that. All right, so Best Picture, uh, the nominees, as Chris calls it up here momentarily. It's five nominations minimum, and then you get up to ten total. So we'll go through each of these, and I'll tell you my surprise, my reaction. We'll go through all these Oscar nominations. Then, like I said, we'll get to a couple of movies and a little Natural Born Killers talk, plus Josh Duhamel and J-Lo. I think i bought enough time here for Chris.
1: Best Picture nominees. Go ahead, Cody. Best Picture nominees. All Quiet on the Western Front. Avatar. The Way of Water. The Banshees of Inner Sharon. Elvis. Everything Everywhere All at Once. The Fablemans. Tar. Top Gun Maverick. Triangle of Sadness. And Women Talking.
0: So they have a minimum of five. You can go up to ten. They took all ten. All Quiet on the Western Front. Big showing for Netflix and for a German film. Again, another foreign film gets nominated for Best Picture. That's big. Avatar and Surprising. Banshees of Inner Sharon, my Best Picture of the Year. Elvis, thrilled to see it. I was my number five movie of the year. Everything everywhere all at once. The Juggernaut. Eleven nominations. It's the favorite right now. The Fablemans originally was the frontrunner, but I feel like Spielberg's lost a little bit of juice. We'll get to more on him in a second. Tar, Which this is huge. I was in Montreal this weekend uh, for my buddy Sonny's bachelor party. It was great. Got to see all my old friends. And when I'm flipping the channels, more Montreal stories perhaps to come. But I was flipping the channels. It's all in French naturally. One thing I found in English was like today, this weekend, like Jane Pauly, and I see my buddy Ben Mankiewicz, the great Ben Mankiewicz, who is the host of TCM Turner Classic Movies, has an interview with Harrison Ford. It's also also the only thing in English. So, anyways, I watched the interview. I'm not a huge Harrison Ford guy, but it's a good interview. Ben's like as good as it gets. So I text Mank after. I was like, hey man, I'm in Montreal. Saw the Harrison Ford interview. Awesome job. He's like, yeah. He goes, he's um. He goes, he has a bit of an edge to him, but he was good. He goes, like Harrison Ford has an edge to him, but that's that's the Harrison Ford we're like. And I go, to be honest, I don't think he's particularly a good actor, but he's obviously iconic. He's a massive star. Star Wars, Indiana Jones, etc. He writes back to me. He goes, yeah, I hear it. He goes. But bottom line is, I'd rather watch one of his movies than Tar. And I almost <laughs> fell off my bed. I go, oh, my God, you're the one guy who's with me that wasn't crazy about Tar. He goes, yeah. He goes, I didn't. I go, I found it sluggish, pacing, and dry. He goes, I just didn't like any of the characters. And he goes, I, I know that's not popular to say. I go, I cannot wait to announce the rest of the world. All these people think I'm wrong for not liking Tar. Ben Mankiewicz, TCM Zone, also with me. Tar's up for Best Picture. Top Gun Maverick, as expected. Two big surprises. Triangle of Sadness is a genuine shock. I mentioned off the top of the podcast, every time, just like when you're watching a sporting event, you go, wow, that was a wow. But like, wow. Triangle of Sadness, which had a great showing at the Cannes Film Festival, another foreign film. I haven't seen it yet. I've been bugging my buddy, Will Bjarner. I said, can you bring in the screener for me? I asked him last week. I just texted him again because I couldn't find your desk. Keith Costas, son of Bob, who's an outstanding researcher at MLB Network, last week I was working with him, I go, can you come to my desk? When he finds it, he walks in and goes, this is like Milton in office space. I have a very good office, which is tough to get to. So hopefully, Will Biarra is going to drop off Triangle of Sadness. I will review that for all of you next week. Best picture is massive. And Women Talking, big surprise, did not get nominated from the Producers Guild Award. Great news for Sarah Pauly. Again, it is just Women Talking. I gave it a... Mild-mannered review, but that's a big nomination. Actress in a supporting role, Cody. What do we got? All
1: right, this should be fun with me doing names. Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Hong Chow, the whale? That was a question
0: mark. No, good.
1: <laughs> Carrie Condon, the Banshees of Inisharion. Jamie Lee Curtis, Everything Everywhere All at Once. And Stephanie Hugh. Sue. Everything Everywhere All at Once.
0: So I know there's going to be a lot of questions. We'll do a lot of this, by the way, in case you're curious. The Oscars are March 12th, so we will do an episode where I'll predict who should win, who will win, because I know some of you are listening because you're movie lovers like me and cinephiles, and some of you are gambling degenerates and want to know who's going to win, so who should I bet on? So let's make this clear. Actress in a supporting role, right now the two co-favorites are Angela Bassett, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, and Carrie Condon, in the Banshees of an inner Right now, those two are neck and neck. Um... Again, I've talked about Banshees a lot. Bassett's a fascinating one. She's a great actress. Again, I've talked about what's love got to do with how much I love that movie. She's had an excellent career, 30 years in movies. And this would be the first ever Oscar won by a character playing in an MCU movie. So this would be pretty massive if she wins. Of those five nominees, what I was happiest about, Hong Chao for The Whale. This is the classic move where the one actor is getting a lot of love, Brendan Fraser. But hey, don't forget the supporting actor. Uh, If you think about Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman nominated. Cruise was not, although arguably Cruise was, I will say, excellent in that movie. So Hong Chao able to not ride the coattails of Fraser, but able to get more acclaim because people were watching The Whale. Great nomination for Hong Chao. I said I think it's Bassett Condon, but don't forget, Jamie Lee Curtis is a really well-liked actress. been 30 years. This is pretty big for her. I mean, we're going back to trading places. So for her to get a nomination, I think, is something. And Stephanie Sue, great Asian actress. She's excellent. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Actor in a supporting role. When you
1: have two people nominated from the same movie, though, that's tough to win, That I feel like.
0: Sometimes hurts it. You're right. Sometimes cancels out. You go back to Bugsy, which I love. Two guys I would have loved to have seen win. Harvey Keitel and Ben Kingsley. Cancelling each other out. Neither guy won.
1: We're going to have to have some of these categories be a little tighter, or else it's going to be a seven hour episode. Actor <laughs> in a supporting role Brendan Gleason, The Banshees of Inish Brian Tyree Henry, Causeway, Judd Hirsch, The Fablemans, Barry Keegan, Barry Coggan, but close. God damn it. <laughs> this, maybe I shouldn't do this I'll, the I'll get the last one
0: Kihei Kwan for everything everywhere oh, heavy God. favorite it's been an amazing story this guy had not acted in years he was in Spielberg's Indiana Jones Temple of Doom he's given the best speeches so far whether it was winning the Golden Globe or the Critics' Choice Award heavy heavy favorite not surprising there you mentioned the idea of two actors from the same film that happens here with Gleason and Coggin both expected nominations great to see now we have a couple of surprises I thought Paul Dano would get nominated for the Fablemans he's been recognized elsewhere I thought Hirsch would be the outside looking in instead, they go with the old reliable great actor. And Judd Hershey was on Kimmel last week, very funny, telling stories about taxi him and DeVito. When my dad first emigrated to Toronto. You know, He came from Pakistan in 1972, looked a lot like Judd Hirsch. So to this day, I have a really soft spot. My dad's now lost his hair, but but I have a real soft spot for Judd Hirsch. I'm like, yeah, that guy looks like my dad back in 1972. Love him, and he's really good in the Fablemans. Again, if you're asking me honestly, though, should have been Paul Dano. He's playing Spielberg's dad. It's a much more meteor role. Judd Hirsch is in the Fablemans maybe 12 minutes. I'd have to look it up. He's not in it much, but he's an awesome actor, happy. And here's one of the big gasps of the day. I thought... Really strong chance, which is why I watched uh, The Good Nurse, Eddie Redmayne. He'd get the fifth nomination. Big surprise. Brian Tyree Henry gets it for Causeway. It's an Apple Plus. It's a story about, uh, I believe, uh, veterans finding PTSD in that type of storyline. I know uh, Jennifer Lawrence stars in it. I heard of it. I heard Tyree Henry had a chance. Didn't think he'd get nominated. That's a genuine surprise. I'll review that movie coming up in the weeks. So I'll tell you more about it. I think a lot of people also know him from Atlanta, which is a very, very popular show. International feature film.
1: All Quiet on the Western Front, Germany, Argentina, 1985 from Argentina, Close from Belgium, EO from Poland, The Quiet Girl from Ireland.
0: Not boasting, but how many guys you know who say, oh, I've already seen four of the nominees for international feature film. The one missing is The Quiet Girl from Ireland, which gets me to my biggest gripe with this year's Academy Awards. How do you not include Decision to Leave? I mean, that is an absolute stunner. I was like, wow. South Korean film, again, if you're an avid listener of Cinephile, you know I had it as my number six film of the year. I thought it was a cinch to get nominated. I thought Park Chan-wook had a decent chance of getting nominated for director. The other four are obvious. All quite on the Western Front, great showing. Again, for Netflix in Germany, excellent war film. I had it as an honorable mention. Argentina 1985, I've reviewed previously. Remake Police, I love Ricardo Doreen. Close from Belgium, didn't like it. That's the one about the two 13-year-old boys. I'm not surprised by the nomination. I just am very quizzical about the film. I didn't care for it. EO, that's right, folks. Two donkey movies get nominated. Not only The Banshees of Anishirom, which features Colin Farrell and his donkey, Jenny, but EO, which I reviewed previously, a film about a man and a donkey, that gets nominated for Best International Feature Film. And then The Quiet Girl. That's the one from Ireland I haven't seen yet. Not sure where to find it. I'm going to already lambaste it because I think it's shocking that Decision Cleave is out. I also really would have pushed for... Holy Spider, which I reviewed last week. That film from Belgium about a serial killer in Iran killing prostitutes. I thought would have liked to have seen that get recognized. But instead, it is The Quiet Girl from Ireland. Documentary short. You can say the nominees. I don't know anything about them. You want to just skip it? It's up to you.
1: Yeah, we can skip it.
0: Skip it. Documentary feature. Go ahead. Read those nominees.
1: All That Breathes. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed. Fire of Love. A House Made of Splinters. Navalny.
0: As you remember, I went to the Critics' Choice Documentary Awards in New York City. How shocking is this? The winner was Goodnight Oppie, and I thought for sure that I'd at least get a nomination. Ignored. Didn't even make the shortlist for Best Documentary Feature. All the Beauty and the Bloodshed has come on strong. That movie wasn't nominated for the Critics' Choice Awards, but I, I've heard a lot of great things about it. That may actually be the favorite. The two that I saw and loved, Fire of Love, which was my number eight film of the year. Cody also saw it. A film about two volcanologists. I thought it was excellent. I'm so happy it got nominated. And Navalny, which I remember Cody being particularly enjoyed as I gave that review. A Russian man going against yeah. Putin. Putin's biggest enemy gets nominated for Best Time Future. Thrilled to see. It. Well, that's one of my happiest moments of the day. I was thrilled that Navalny made the cut. Don't know really anything about A House Made of Splinters look up those other docs original song
1: applause from tell it like a woman hold my hand from top gun maverick lift me up from black panther wakanda forever not to not to from rrr
0: yeah i nailed the most important one
1: this is a life from everything everywhere all at once
0: favorite as you know from the golden globes is not to not to a uh, bit of a surprise did not get nominated for best international feature film I only got through 10 minutes of it. I thought it was too comical, too ridiculous, but I know critics loved it. But I do love the song. I'm thrilled to see some brown music getting recognized. Not too, not too, I think is going to win. And think about that. It's going to beat Rihanna and Lady Gaga. Star power, but not too, not too. I'm calling it right now. Love the song. Love seeing it get recognized. Animated feature film.
1: Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Can't it just be Pinocchio? It's a little look at me. Anyway, uh, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. You didn't like that. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. The Sea Beast, Turning Red.
0: Thrill for Puss in Boots. A little surprised by the Sea Beast, which my kids saw. I only saw a bit if I liked it. Would love to see Turning Red win. Again, a film shot in Toronto about a girl going through challenges with her uh, adolescence. But it's probably going to be Pinocchio, Have your favorite. And as you said, Marcel the Shell with shoes on, one of my worst pictures of the year. Somebody <laughs> tweeted me and said, you put that little guy in a body bag with your review. Not surprising. But there's your nominees. Adapted screenplay.
1: All Quiet on the Western Front. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery. Living. Top Gun Maverick women talking. I feel like I'm reading these the way that they announce them on like, you know, like know, oh, like
0: my man Riz Ahmed was awesome. He got to do yeah, the nomination. Of course, won the Oscar last year. Uh, might be one of the worst categories out there. Uh, easily most head scratching nomination, Top Gun Maverick. <laughs> it's what my dad would have wanted. That gets nominated for screenplay. Like I, I, I could have understood the directing, but it, and we'll get to this in a second. Again, if you're the biggest Top Gun fan out there, how the hell does it not get nominated for cinematography? but it got nominated for adapted screenplay. I don't think anyone who loved that film walked out of it and said to themselves, well, I wasn't really sure about the cinematography. I don't think the planes were done well, but I love the script. The dialogue was amazing. Yeah. Like that, That's got to be one of the most bizarre ones of the day, but somehow yeah. it's time for screenplay. Okay, Living shouldn't have been nominated. Average film, but a great writer. Kazuo Ishiguro is who adapted the screenplay. The great British writer, so that's not surprising. They're going to go with somebody who's very famous. He's adapting the Kurosawa film, Ikiru, which is one of my all-time favorites. Glass Onion, A Knives Out Mystery, okay. Ryan Johnson's Light by the Academy, very popular film, so I get that one. All Quiet on the Western Front, again, this is pretty shocking, man. This is a war film, not a lot of dialogue, and it got nine for adapted screenplay. Great showing for Germany. The winner, though, and I think clear-cut favorite, Women Talking, Sarah Pauly, the Canadian, writes and directs the film, gets a Best Picture nomination. She got snubbed for director, more on that in a second. I think Sarah Pauly, who is an actress-turned-writer-director, is going to win. Original screenplay.
1: The Banshees of Inisharan. Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Triangle of Sadness.
0: One of my favorite categories every year. You can't get a good movie without an original script. I think it should be Banshees. I love Martin McDonough. Uh, he obviously won for three Billboard's outside Ebbing, Missouri. But watch Feels like out the for.
1: Fablemans. Feels like the Fablemans. No,
0: no, no chance. I was gonna say everything, everywhere, all at once. Those two. It's gonna be one of like, No way, Fable, I love Fablemans me are...
1: having an opinion out of there. Yeah, Feels no, like no, the
0: I'm it, telling you, it, everyone. No, no, no chance. Co-written, Mom. I mean, I almost. Put no in chance. the long
1: shot bet for the Fablemans. I'm just having an opinion here. I'm taking. I'm like Stu I have no info, no facts, but this is my hot take. The okay. Fablemans will win original screenplay.
0: I'll support your hot take with this. It's co-written by Spielberg, who the Academy loves. He's never won for screenplay before. It's co-written by Tony Kushner, who uh, obviously is a very celebrated playwright and husband of Mark Harris. Who's Mark Harris? Go back and listen to Cinephile, and you'll know who Mark Harris oh, is. our noted favorite. Author. Exactly. His husband <laughs> is Tony Kushner, and him and Spielberg have been joined at the hip ever since they wrote Munich. So the Fablemans has star power, but I don't think anyone watches. I mean. I don't know. I'm gonna support your hot take with this. It's a Spielberg nostalgia trip. And if he doesn't win for director, maybe they say, hey, we'll give it to you one for screenplay. But I really yeah. think this is neck and neck. Banshees of Minisharin and everything everywhere all at once. Two very original films. Tar, which thankfully we found one other person who didn't like it, Ben Mankiewicz and me. Not surprising it got nominated. And Triangle Sadness, big surprise. Haven't seen it yet. Surprised it got the nomination. Let's do best actor in a leading role.
1: Austin Butler, Elvis, Colin Farrell, the Banshees of Inisherin. Brendan Fraser, The Whale. Paul Meskow, after son. Bill Nye, the science guy, living.
0: Can't believe that made the, the title last week. But anyways, um, <laughs> four locks for sure. You knew Butler, Farrell, Fraser, and Nye would get it. The fifth slot, as I mentioned before, was either going to be Cruz, either going to be Sandler. Uh, I thought Jeremy Pope had a good chance for The Inspection, which is a film I really liked about a young black gay man in boot camp. Uh, Pope's on Broadway right now, so I thought he might have a chance. Instead, it's Paul Mescal, a film that was really loved on the independent film circuit. It's about a father and a daughter. I didn't care for it, but I'm thrilled for Paul Mescal because he gets in. It's a tough race to call right now. It's not going to be nigh, and I don't think it's Butler even though they won the Golden Globe. Colin Farrell is a well-respected, well-liked actor, and the Banshees of Inishar and had a really strong showing. so I think he's probably the slight favorite, but don't discount Brendan Fraser. It's an incredible comeback story. It's a, one of the nominations I was happiest to see. The Whale I had as my number seven film of the year, I think. I loved it. I was thrilled they got the nomination. Feels like Farrell, Fraser, maybe Butler, but it's going to be a good race. What hurts the Whale is it didn't get nominated for Best Picture, did not get nominated for Directing, it didn't get nominated for any other category. Category except for supporting actress. So, two nominations, but maybe George of the Jungle is able to win. Right now, he's just thrilled to get a nomination. Actress in a leading role.
1: All right, only 13 more categories. Kate we'll, Blanchett. We'll fly
0: through uh, production design. All
1: right. <laughs> Kate Blanchett, Tar. Anna Diarmas, Blonde. Andrea Riseborough. Andrea, but go ahead. <laughs> Andrea Riseborough, Two Leslie. Michelle Williams, The Fablemans. Michelle Yeoh, Everything Everywhere All At Once.
0: Probably the most compelling rates. It's a two. Horse Race, forgive the expression, Kate Blanchett and Michelle Yeoh. Blanchett, if she wins, would be her third Academy Award. She won because Scorsese guided her towards a Katherine Hepburn impression in The Aviator. Woody Allen directed her in Blue Jasmine. She won Best Actress there. This could be her third. Again, the critics have loved this film. It's on a ton of people's top ten list. She's a well-regarded, well-respected actress. Michelle Yeoh, I think, should win. Everything, everyone wants to get 11 nominations. She is also a beloved actress who is now, in, I believe in her 60s, and has not won... Much less nomination. Um, talking, Michelle Williams, um, right?
1: I, I just looked up real fast, like, people that have won three. Like, this is a short list Kate Blanchett is trying to get on.
0: Which white, which will hurt her, I think. It's very hard to say, hey, you're up there at Meryl Streep as far as winning three Oscars. But maybe Kate Blanchett does it. I'm hoping for Michelle Yeoh. Darmas one of the worst nominations of the day. Blonde was a terrible movie. But not surprising in the nomination. Again, someone she said to me, good. you must be so mad. I agree. It no, was a
1: ridiculous I, movie, but she
0: was good. Right. She gave it her all. Um, if you read any of the articles about it, four hours in makeup, you know, prosthetics, getting her hair done. That one oh scene. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> JFK. But um, I don't think she's worthy of a nomination, but I, I understand it. They love biopics. It's about Marilyn Monroe. That's not totally surprising. The real shock, and this was probably my biggest shock of the day, Andrea Riseborough to Leslie. I mean, this is, this is why the Oscar nominations are great, because I don't know one person who said she's going to get nominated, but I'll tell you a little bit about the film. Kate Blanchett when she won the Critics' Choice Awards last Sunday. In the midst of her classy speech, and by the way, I think anytime you win an award, the most important thing to do is to thank the other nominees. People used to always do that. Now it's less and less. Now they just go up through, I gotta thank A24, I gotta thank my wife, I gotta thank my director, my crew. I'm like, just, the first thing has to be, I'd like to congratulate the other nominees. I think you guys did an awesome job. It's I'm just, impressed by your work.
1: It's just lip service, though. No, like, that's the most
0: important thing to do. There's okay. nothing more egocentric than going right to the agent manager. Like, no, no, no. You save family at the end. You've gotta start with, hey, this is a hell of a group. Like, you guys are awesome. Kate yeah. Blanchett did it at the Crick's Choice Award. First, she went up there she goes, i got to thank, hey, Michelle Yeoh, you're unbelievable. Hey, Michelle Williams, you're awesome. Like, what an actress. And she in her speech goes, oh, there's so many other actresses out there. Andrea Riseborough, wrote to Leslie and I go, I'm not sure what that is. Read an article last week in Hollywood report saying, watch out for two Leslie. Incredible story. Independent film, but as indie as it gets. It's about a mother who's a drug addict, alcoholic. Actors have seen it and loved it so much, they started having screenings at their houses saying, you got to see this movie. Kate Winslet had like a party at her house for two Leslie, Nicole Kidman, etc. So this is like a real, like, shocking independent film nomination. Angel Risborough is not a major actress. She takes the nomination away from Viola Davis for The Woman King, who felt like she was a lock. It was a big, shocking moment. I can't wait to see it. Actors love this movie. As I've said before, biggest branch of the Academy is the actors. So the actors recognizing Andrea Riseborough, director.
1: Martin McDonough, The Banshees of Inner Sharon, Daniel Scheinert, and Daniel Kwan, everything, everywhere, all at once. Steven Spielberg, The Fablemans, Todd Field, Tar, Ruben Ostlund
0: big surprise here. Ruben Oslin, Triangle status. Great news, though. He beats out Joseph Kaczynski for Top Gun Maverick. Thrilled to see that. (laughs) Disappointed, he beat out Baz Luhrmann for Elvis. And a real surprise, beat out James Cameron for Avatar. James Cameron makes a film which has now made $2 billion. He does not get nominated for Best Director. Instead, Ruben Oslin, international feature film, a Cannes Film Festival favorite, somehow beats out Jimmy Cameron. That's pretty big news there. McDonough, it's better as a script than as a direction. So he's not going to win Spielberg. Perhaps if you want to go with your hot take, he might win for directing. This could be his third Oscar for directing, but I think right now the favorites Shiner and Quan, and I think they should be the directing and everything ever all at once is batshit. You know what? I would go with them. Production design.
1: All quiet on the Western front. Avatar, the way of water, Babylon, Elvis, the fablemans.
0: No surprises with any of these thrilled for all of them, particularly Elvis. Um, Again, All Quiet on the Western Front, strong showing, I keep saying it. Babylon, I'll save my comments for later, but nice nomination for them. Cinematography.
1: All Quiet on the, all quiet on the Western Front, a lot of nominations. Mm-hmm. Bardo, False Chronicle of a Handful of Truths, Elvis, Empire of Light, Tar.
0: So I said the one nomination I would be overjoyed about would have been if Mark Rylance got nominated for Bones and All. But since he didn't, my favorite nomination of the day... Roger Deakins. I told you before, my favorite cinematographer, he comes through with Empire of Light. Fantastic nomination. The movie was very average. A disappointment from Sam Mendes and Olivia Coleman, but Deakins brings it. I don't think he's going to win, but awesome nomination. Thrilled. Way to go, the Academy. Awesome, awesome work there. And I love Bardo, False Chronicle of Handful of Truths, particularly the cinematography. On Netflix, again, I gave it three maple leaves. Alejandro Gonzalez, Ritu's film. Love seeing that nomination. Elvis, I think cinematography is great, which is an accomplishment which Baz Luhrmann should take credit for. Costume design.
1: Babylon, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris.
0: Best title, Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. I think it's gotta be Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Incredible costume design, but wouldn't be surprised for Elvis. Everything Everywhere All at Once, obviously lots of different costume changes. A nice nomination for Babylon. I'll save my comment when I get to original score on Babylon. Achievement in sound.
1: All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar, The Way of Water, The Batman, Elvis, and Adnan's favorite, Top Gun Maverick.
0: Uh, As always, the sound used to be two categories, right? Now it's one category. These are always going to be your blockbuster films, more populous movies. These are all massive. But look at what the box office was for these movies. Top Gun, Elvis, The Batman, Avatar, big, loud, noisy movies, and great to see All Quiet on the Western Front recognized as well. Animated short, I just want to hear you say the nominees. I have no comments on them, but go ahead.
1: The Boy, The Mole, The Fox, and The Horse, The Flying Sailor, Ice Merchants, My Year of Dicks. There it is. <laughs> yeah, my, my engineer over here, Bob, that got a reaction at him as well. An ostrich told me the world is fake, and I think I believe it.
0: Like, the two best titles went back to back. Riz Ahmed announced it, My Year of Dicks. My that Year of Dicks. got a dicks. good laugh. What is that? And I'm like, how can you beat that? I'm like, you did it with the ostrich. It was amazing. An ostrich to told that. me the world is fake, and I think I believe it. I'm cheering for the ostrich. Can't wait to see it. Uh, We can skip live-action short film unless you want to just try to fight through some of these Let's let's, let's move on. Original score.
1: All Quiet on the Western Front, Babylon, The Banshees of Inisharan, Everything Everywhere
0: All at Once, the Fablemans. Our good friend Dan Stanzik likes to weigh in on the Oscars. Rarely, though, have I, I don't believe I've ever seen him tweet about original score. He did so earlier today, which merited an immediate retweet. He said he loved the All Quiet and the Western Front score, loved Danny, but it's all about Babylon. I mean, that score is fantastic. Justin Hurwitz, who has won an Oscar before, working with Damien Chazelle. Great jazzy score. I mean, that horn section friggin' kicks. You watch Babylon the first 30 minutes, that score is fantastic. Now, I have to double-check. I don't know if the score is the jazzy one, or the more nostalgic ones. I have to double-check on which score it is, but the jazzy one's incredible. I'm with Dan, I'm glad all quite in the Western Front did get recognized. Banshees, if you love your Irish music, everything, ever all at once good. And, of course, the most unsurprising nomination, and perhaps one might say most uninspired, Spielberg's longtime friend and composer since going back to Jaws, John Williams gets nominated for The Fablemans. The Babylon score is outstanding. And now I'll get my comments on Babylon. Three Oscar nominations. But think about how much hype was around this movie. This was a massive production with a huge budget. They're releasing it in December, right around Oscar time, to get all these nominations. And what happens? Brad Pitt snubbed for supporting actor. Margot Robbie snubbed for best actress. Damien Chazelle snubbed for best director. This is an example of a film that just got absolutely crucified by the fans and the critics. This movie comes in and you're thinking this is a no-brainer, big push for the Oscars, and you're talking three nominations, and we're looking at production design, costume design, and score. With all due respect, they wanted picture, director, actress, supporting actor. Did not happen. The film's a massive disappointment when it comes to the box office release and an example of why people really just kind of weighed in and said, this movie's not as good as it should have been. A vanity project from Damien Chazelle. Big disappointment for Babylon. They're going to lose a lot of money. I'm sure Mike Ryan's happy. Visual effects.
1: All quiet on the Western front. Avatar, the way of water. The Batman. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Top Gun Maverick.
0: No surprise. Again, all big blockbuster-type movies, Top Gun, Black Panther, B- Batman Avatar. Again, the surprise here is all Quiet on the Western front, the little movie that could from Germany. Uh, nice nomination for them. Couple more to go, film editing.
1: The Banshees of In Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, Tar, Top Gun Maverick. Great editing in that film.
0: <laughs> for years, editing was a real indicator of what would win Best Picture. If you looked at the nominees Uh-oh. and what won for editing... Pictures. So what does that mean? Uh-oh, that's a concern for the fable ones because they are not nominated for oh, Best Picture. I thought
1: you picture. meant uh-oh because Top Gun is not
0: nominated. No, no, no. no. It, it's great news for the favorite, which is everything, everywhere, all at once. The fact it's up for editing, again, a visually dazzling movie. Great news for them. And really good news for the Banshees of Sharon. Because that's not a film with a ton of editing, but the fact it gets nominated is a really good sign. So great news for everything, everywhere. Banshees of Innesharon. Elvis, again, th- those musical sequences were so well edited. Tar could have used a lot more editing at its ponderous and sluggish two hours and 35-minute runtime. But you're right, nice nomination for Top Gun Maverick. But this really hurts the Fablemans when I looked at the nominations. Makeup and hairstyling.
1: All right, last one. All Quiet on the Western Front. The Batman, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, Elvis, The Whale.
0: I misspoke earlier. I said The Whale only had two nominations. This is their third nomination. Frasier, uh, Hong Chao, and I think they should win. If you look at Brendan Fraser, what he looks like right now, and you, see, you see him in The Whale, 600-pound man. The prosthetics, uh, some digital work, amazing. I mean, it's and not I mean, best fat suit, though. True. And if I look at Elvis and I look at what Austin Butler looks like, handsome man, thank you to the four people who immediately tweeted me last week, angry, when I said, why was Brad Pitt and Tarantino so happy when he won the Golden Globe? I forgot. He is in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. So that's why on the way to accepting the Golden Globe, you saw Tarantino and him hug it out and you saw Brad Pitt be happy. Then he went up to the stage and said, Brad Pitt, I've loved you since I was 12. QT, you're my guy. They did actually work together previously. So I was incorrect on that previous podcast. Thank you to the people who immediately corrected me on that. Anyways, he doesn't look anything like Elvis. I mean, he's a really handsome guy, but he had to wear, like, neck prosthetics, chin prosthetics. And if you watch the last scene of Elvis, which is very moving, that point he does have to wear a fat suit and get the sideburns and the hair done properly. So good nomination. Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Again, you look at Angela Bassett, you see all those actors. There's lots of makeup. All quite the Western Front, sure. War film, you have to have a lot of makeup. The one I would go with, though, is I would probably go with The Whale, but I wouldn't be surprised to see The Batman. Because Colin Farrell looks nothing like Penguin. I mean, that yeah. is the one that is unrecognizable. Uh, he spent four hours in the makeup chair every day to look like this Penguin as a gangster. Excellent nominees for makeup and hairstyle. That's your review of the Oscar nominations. Can't wait for March 12th. Hopefully, Cody and I will be there. We'll come back with reviews next.
2: Sick of being upsold at gyms?
0: All right, I really thought Cody would watch this movie. Sometimes I look at the movies and I go, all right, well, my guy will definitely see this. It's a basketball movie and it stars Adam Sandler.
1: Does it make it any better that last night it was on my Netflix screen. I went to go put my daughter to bed and I fell asleep in her bed. So like it was I had right. the intentions of coming down after putting her to bed, yeah. watching the movie, but I didn't come downstairs till like twelve
0: thirty AM. Because it's a father-daughter story, I'm willing to accept it as a pass. <laughs> but but like this is one of those that I'm like, Oh, you're gonna see this before me. Like this came out in June. I'm like, oh, Basketball movie, I Adam Sandler. Like, Cody, I'll watch it before I will. Like I I am to be clear, I like Adam Sandler, I don't love him. Like, I'm not watching the Waterboard, I'm not watching Billy Madison. I get tired of those voices. I'll take Opera Man, Cajun Man, sure, but like I like him more as a guy. Ben Lyons got me into the uncut gem screening, and he was walking on afterwards, and I made a beeline and I was like, Can I get a picture? I'm like, yeah, and he was funny. He was like, oh, let me suck it in my gut. I'm like, yep. And I was like, I like I like him for the critically acclaimed stuff he does. I was like, dude, Paul Thomas Anderson, Punch Drunk Love. I love that movie. He's like, oh, thanks so much, man. He's like, yeah, he goes, because I was just doing comedies at that point. And then Paul's like this great director. I was like, yeah, I got this movie for you. I'm like, yeah, like that, was, that movie's awesome. He's like, oh, thanks so much. I do like Billy Madison. I'm like, yeah, Bobby Boucher that stuff I'm not really crazy about. But I watched it because he got a SAG nomination, Screen Actors Guild nomination. Is it warranted? The
1: story. Say it, Adnan. Yes or no? Was the SAG nomination warranted?
0: No. And after seeing the movie, I was like really surprised he got the SAG nomination. And then I wasn't surprised today when he didn't get the Oscar nomination. I'm like, no. I, again, I wasn't crazy, but after Sun, but I can take Paul Mescal over over Adam Sandler as much as I like him as a dude. A basketball scout discovers a phenomenal streetball player while in Spain and sees the prospect as his opportunity to get back in the NBA. What I like about it is it's a passion project. He, like you and me, is a huge sports fan. He's a huge basketball guy. So he's like, he probably told these writers, Taylor Matern and Will Fetters, or he told his manager and producer, I want to make a basketball movie. Go find me a script with basketball in it because it's it's a a role Taylor made for him. He himself is a basketball junkie. He plays a guy who played basketball in college, had an accident, curtailed what would have been a promising NBA career. He plays Stanley Sugarman, one of these scouts you've seen before. You know, long hours, eats bad food. And, and one of the great things about the movie is the verisimilitude. They do a phenomenal job of that because they got so many people connected with the NBA in the movie. Well, the first ones is Kenny Smith, the Jet, playing Leon. And he's not playing Kenny Smith. He's playing Leon, who is this super agent. I'm like, all right. There's many of them. One of whom is Fran Fraschilla, who, again, <laughs> the stories about him drafting an international player. Nobody can think of international players better than Fran Fraschilla. Fran. Yeah, I texted Fran last week. I go, this is unbelievable. I, I can't believe you're in... I just saw it, by the way, seven months late. Sorry. You're amazing. And he goes, honestly, Ab and I are already talking about the sequel. I go, amazing. Fran Fraschilla is getting it done. You like that name?
1: Oh, no. My bad. I was thinking of Mike Fratello, like uh, some like geez. random heat broadcaster. We no, called yeah, him the, the czar. The, the
0: czar is unbelievable. Yeah, I do love the czar. He was great. <laughs> uh, Fran Fraschilla used to call Francis sometimes. He's, he's definitely not the czar, but... Fran is a good dude. Anyways, he's in the movie because he knows international players. There's a bunch of others, okay? There's actual, like, basketball players in the movie because Sandler's a scout for the Philadelphia 76ers. But there's tension. What's the tension all about? Because Robert Duvall, you heard that right, living legend Robert Duvall is in an Adam Sandler film. He plays Rex Merrick, who is the owner of the Sixers, and he promises him a job. Finally, as an assistant coach. But then something happens. Oh, no. What happens to Bobby Duvall? So the Ben Foster... Again, good cast. Come hell or high water. He is, plays Vince Merrick, who is Duval's kid. He's taking over the team. He tells Stanley, you're not an assistant coach. You're still a scout. Anybody that knows that world says, hey, man, you'd love to be a coach. Scouting is just a tough job. Long plane rides, middle of nowhere scouting players. But he says, I see this guy, Bo Cruz. Current Toronto Raptor, Juancho Hernan Gomez, which the last time I took young Yusuf to go see a Raptors game, we went and saw Raptors Mavericks in, right around Thanksgiving, Raptors Mavericks, and on the subway, three European men, for some reason, walked on the subway train and just started saying, Hernan Gomez, Hernan <laughs> <laughs> Gomez, <laughs> which I took Yusuf to go see Nick's Raptors at the Garden on Martin Luther King Day. And he reminded me, when he checked out the game, he goes, remember those guys? Hernan Gomez. (laughs) So I was thrilled that Hernan Gomez is playing Bo Cruz. He's not exactly Ray Allen and He Got Game, when I think of like NBA players playing actors. But does a decent job as this guy coming overseas. Sandler believes in him. He speaks Spanish. Doesn't speak a ton of English. Doesn't know the culture. Misses his daughter. Has a history of a bad temper. Blah, 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 blah. Ultimately... I think if you're a basketball fan, you'll enjoy the movie. I thought it was a pretty average movie, predictable. I did think it was a little forced that Queen Latifah's his wife, Adam Sandler's like, gotta give him some street cred. give him a black wife, or a black daughter now, he's down, alright, cool. Um, but I liked the cast, and I thought Sandler did a decent job. I would not have given him a SAG nomination, much less an Oscar nomination. But maybe he deserved an Oscar nomination for Uncut Gems, which I did think was a very entertaining film, which is where I met him and me and Ben. Jaleel White's in the movie as well, if you like Urkel. Urkel. He plays Blake, VP of Player Personnel. And again, there's a, a ton of NBA cameos. They really did a good job as far as getting NBA people involved. Hustle, I'll give it two Maple Leafs. A couple more reviews, and we'll get out of here. By the way, Chris is going to finish Hustle. He'll give his review next week here yeah. in the file. Uh The Good Nurse. Infamous caregiver is implicated in the deaths of hundreds of hospital patients. Directed nice. by Tobias Lindholm, and it's written by Charles Graber and Christy Wilson. Yeah, this was one again, and I'm I'm just trying to get my work done. Like that, that's one again, one of the best things with the Oscars. How many movies do I watch, right? hundred movies. And yet after this podcast is done, I go, okay, I gotta go find two Leslie, Andrea Rice, we're our best actress i got to go watch The Quiet Girl from Ireland because it got nominated for Best International Foreign Film. And i got to watch Triangle of Sadness, which is up for Best Picture and Best Director. So I was trying to get out in front of it. I said, okay, I'll watch The Good Nurse now. That way, when the Oscar nominations come out, it's less work for me. No, Eddie Redmayne snubbed for Best Supporting Actor. But unlike Adam Sandler, who was nominated for the SAG, stunned for the Oscar... I thought Eddie Redmayne was pretty good. And I gotta be honest, I'm not a huge fan of his. The Theory of Everything I thought was a wildly overrated movie. I couldn't believe he won Best, pick, best Actor, playing Stephen Hawking. But this movie's pretty good. Jessica Chastain is also the star. Real quick, they're nurses. Redmayne seems like a nice dude, really sweet guy. Unfortunately, divorced, got two young girls. Chastain's got two young girls. They're friends, they hang out a little bit. It feels like it's platonic. Maybe he's into her a little bit, but it's fine. But then at the, at the nursing home, <clears throat> she's got some health issues of her own. He's very kind to her, supporting. And then all of a sudden, they start having some deaths. I'm like, oh, God. And you get a couple of people investing in the two cops, one of whom, former guest on Cinephile, former NFL cornerback, Nandi Asamoah, speaking of cool stories, went from being an unbelievable all-pro of the Raiders, goes to the Eagles where he was pretty weak, let's be honest, if you're getting a big contract, but it says acting was always his thing, much like Eddie George, former NFL player turned actor. And Osama is actually... Gotten some good roles. Like the fact I'm like he's playing a supporting role in a film with Jessica Chastain and Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. Great. By the way, when I had him on Cinefly, I told him I was an Eagles fan. He immediately said sorry. Contract didn't work out. I'm like he he at least owned the fact he was not great with our team. <laughs> and how about the way we kicked the crap out of those Giants? Anyways, um, so now she starts to investigate. The cops come in. They go, hey, a little suspicious. Our boy Redmayne gets moved around from hospitals, and all of a sudden people keep dying of too much insulin which is a pretty easy way to get this done. Obviously, as a nurse, you get the needle drip going, a little bit of insulin, away he goes. Is Eddie guilty or not? If he is, what's his motive? Those stories get answered. I thought it was a good movie because of the performances from Chastain and Redmayne. And again, Redmayne playing against type. Normally, he plays these handsome, erudite British people, this time playing a rather creepy, duplicitous man. Chastain is always worth the price of admissions. He's an excellent actress. I thought the story went in the direction I thought it would, but I did like the moments, and because of the cast, I will recommend the film Two and a Half Maple Leafs. It's currently on Netflix. And one more quick for you, Natural Born Killers. If it's not one of the best movies of the 90s, it's definitely one of the most notorious films of the 90s. I mention it because of Woody Harrelson, who is now in a Best Picture nominee, Triangle of Sadness. This film, two victims of traumatized childhoods become lovers and psychopathic serial murderers irresponsibly glorified by the mass media. It's directed by Oliver Stone, and I think it's one of his best films. It's certainly one of his most brazen and audacious and risk-taking. Quentin Tarantino wrote the story. To this day, hates the movie. If you ask him about it, it's in his book I remember that I just read. He's like, I hate what Oliver Stone did to my movie. He, I think if you... <clears throat> I've never read his version, but I can only imagine his version would be much more focused on the satiric nature of the script and focusing on the mass media being culpable. Because natural-born killers, I feel like in Tarantino's hands would be more fun and definitely more funny. Natural Born Killers is not those things. It's a much more serious film. It's intense. It's definitely got some ludicrous moments, and it has inspired casting. Woody Harrelson is known as the bartender from Cheers, and Oliver Stone goes, no, no, I'm going to cast you playing a serial killer because of the stuff that I know about you and your dad. If you know Woody Harrelson's backstory, you can look up about his father being in prison, etc. So Woody gives a really critically acclaimed performance in a very gutsy role. Mickey Knox, and equally brilliant is Juliette Lewis, This was her moment back in the 90s. Oscar nominated for working with Scorsese in Cape Fear. Famous scene of her sucking De Niro's thumb. Three years later she's a Woody Harrelson in a big splashy movie. More from the cast about Tom Sizemore so good in Heat playing the psychotic detective Jack Scagnetti. Rodney Dangerfield again against type a comedian playing Mallory's abusive father. And one of the more shocking scenes in the movie, he starts joking about abusing her, and because he's known as a great sitcom star, they have a laugh track there. It's just bizarre, but it works within the film. Pruitt Taylor Vince, Robert Downey Jr., hilarious, playing Wayne Gale, ambulance chasing Australian journalist, and also, really funny, Tommy Lee Jones, playing the prison warden, who's got that bizarre look about his face. Again, if you're looking for a film just for its direction, its chutzpah style, Oliver Stone really takes a lot of chances with this movie, which is why I appreciated it. He also... At times, really messes with the film stock. He shifts a lot from color to black and white. He goes grainy in certain sequences. I like the way that he uses the audio. If an actor is talking, he doesn't always see their lips moving. It may be audio of what they think or what they just said. He'll go to, like, creepy freeze frames. I mean, just, I think if you're a cinema lover and you appreciate just visual style, even if you don't care for the story of Natural Born Killers, I think it's a really visually entertaining movie and certainly a brave one. And a great soundtrack as well. L7, shit list. Great and, song for the 90s as well.
1: And does Quentin Tarantino have a lot of just writing credits?
0: Not a ton. True Romance as well, which I think he was okay with. I don't think I don't believe he was very critical of Tony Scott's direction. Whenever I've heard him speak about it, he's like, yeah, the Christopher Walken uh, scene is very, very famous. in Dennis Hopper. But yeah. those were early scripts that he wrote before he could get you know, notice as a director, he had written those scripts. So Reservoir Dogs, he obviously wrote and directed, put him on the map. But National Boy Killers got sold. True Romance got sold. Those were his two as writers, proud to him becoming a director. But... Uh, he doesn't like it. I think it's a hell of a movie. I think it's a great film. Oliver Stone, definitely, way back when, at his best. All right, that's Cinephile. Thanks so much for checking us out. You can tweet me, CinephilePod, Adnan Esfurk. Let me know your thoughts on the Oscar nominations, what you liked, what you loathed, what you loved. Coming up next week, we've got lots more on the pod, as I mentioned, some more new movies coming out. No longer films from last year being finished off. It's more like films that are, you know, new releases. So 80 for Brady, we'll review that film starring pretty much a Golden Girls-type cast, Sally Field, Lily Tomlin, and others. Potentially, Bob Balaban from the film is going to be joining us. And also, in addition to that, we've got the new film starring Eddie Murphy and Jonah Hill called You People.
1: I want to watch that. uh, I'm going to watch
0: it. Okay, You People. If I don't watch it, because I told you right now... 27% 27% Rotten Tomatoes. It's supposed to be pretty bad. So I don't have to suffer. Maybe you can take that bullet for both All of us. Right. And if it's great, you're like, hey, you know what, Work. These critics are wrong. It's awesome. So let's yeah. go Eddie Murphy. Before we get out of here, though, as promised, the stars of Shotgun Wedding, Josh Jamel and Jennifer Lopez. Hello,
2: everybody, and welcome to the global press event for Shotgun Wedding. I am your moderator, Justin Sylvester, and today I will be joined by the stars of one of the biggest action films you will see this year. Actually, action, rom-com, adventure, it's a little bit of everything. Coming in first, Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel. How are you guys? Hi! (laughs) Can you see us? I can hear you, I can see you. You look gorgeous, the background's popping. All right. Yeah, it's like we're on a beach, right? (laughs) Yes. Well, the first question tonight, we have to know, because we haven't seen a movie like this, this cat and mouse adventure since Indiana Jones hit the airwaves. Why do you think audiences crave this Cat and mouse, chase, lovers, are they going to do it? Won't they do it? Adventure (laughs) genre that you guys took on.
3: I love the Indiana Jones comparison. I didn't see that one. I saw
4: it more romancing the stone.
3: It definitely does have, uh, and what I love about the movie and what I think Jay Moore did such a great job on is he wasn't afraid to make this a big romp of a movie you know it he, he, we went there and and we knew it on the day and it was a, there was there totally this felt different than anything i've done and that's what i loved about it you know he always talked about squeezing a little lemon on that sugar remember that
2: Jason? <laughs> Yes. And so it he, mash it together mash it yeah. together
3: and so i thought that this this movie felt totally uh and comedically different than anything i'd done and, and it is a big
4: it's romantic a big romantic adventure. comedy, yeah. but it's more of a romantic kind of, a, you know, action movie. It's an adventure. Yeah. There's so much that happens. And it's but at the, the core of it is it's about these families coming together and kind of Darcy, my character, Darcy, not that Darcy, this Darcy <laughs> right. in the movie right. and Josh's character, uh, Tom, really figuring out who they are.
2: Now, it's so funny because you guys both got married. Since filming this movie, and I gotta know, Josh, were you a Tom, a groomzilla? (laughs) I was
3: not. uh, I'm
2: so
4: surprised right now.
3: I I was. Listen, listen. The the movie or the movie. The lighting was in much better hands with Audra, uh, (laughs) sort of your wife. Yes conducting everything. And the, the wedding was beautiful. And it was almost like a surprise wedding in a way because I had no idea what half the stuff was going to be when I got there. Like, <laughs> oh, what is this? <laughs> but it was uh, <laughs> just what everyone went out there once to hear. But it's I was working. She loved it. And she did a great job. And uh, yes, yeah, it was it was
2: fantastic. And Jennifer, how do you plan a wedding with an Oscar-winning director.
4: <laughs> yeah, he has an amazing eye. He has incredible taste. And, um, you know, I think that's why we ran off to Vegas. <laughs> and got married there first. It's like, took all the pressure off of the big family wedding that we were having. But everything we do, we, we try and do it together. He, he actually helped out with us. A... Did he? <laughs> yes. With well, that little
3: Vegas? Didn't, she little...
4: Well, he planned the whole Vegas yeah, thing. <laughs> okay.
3: But not the big party one, did he? The big
4: party one we did together. Okay. Yeah, yeah, we do what, the meeting together. Are you, try, are you together? trying to make me
3: feel bad? No,
4: about myself? no, no. I'm just saying it, it was different. I need to be better. <laughs> no. You're right.
3: I do actually, <laughs> especially when it comes to planning.
4: Planning a wedding is a yeah. lot, as you can see from this movie.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, Jennifer, I have to ask you this important question, and I yes. hope you don't mind. <laughs> oh, here it comes. Your father invites your ex. To oh. your wedding. Are we calling the FBI first? Are we getting American <laughs> Express there to get that man out? Like how are we handling this in <laughs> real life?
4: My dad would <laughs> I would like to think wouldn't do that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but we needed that in the movie. We needed something to happen. Yeah, I, I don't think my dad would <clears> ever <throat> do that. Ever. I mean, he's just my dad, you know, my dad in real life. What is if it was very, Lenny Kravitz though? No. No. No,
3: nope, no, nope, no. Nope. He's a pretty cool ex-boyfriend.
4: No. That's what man. No way.
2: Not doing it.
4: No, he's... My dad is really, like, the quiet, calm dad. You know, he doesn't ruffle feathers now if you said my mom
2: then i would be like oh maybe (laughs) (laughs) i feel like lupe would have invited Ben to your wedding if you know she would have been like no he's coming he's definitely coming (laughs) what i love about any jennifer lopez project and i'm going to talk about you right now like you're not here is that nothing is an accident whether it's the music the video A movie, a TV show, everything is so thought out. So I need you to walk me through the different dresses and their meanings, because I know (laughs) there was some serious thought behind that
4: there really was I, I really felt like the dress itself was a character in the movie but also really represented what she was going through so i wanted it to start off where she was super uncomfortable it was the biggest most cumbersome uh, kind of beautiful but also like not her at mm-hmm. all and then as she went on and was more honest with Josh about who she was and what she wanted and started kind of peeling back the layers and becoming more herself and kind of stepping into her own kind of uh, power, her more, more of her authenticity. And I think that happened with the dress as well as like pieces started coming off and by the end, she's like this badass and she's taking off the hair extensions and she has a gun and she's like, all right now. Everybody listen to me.
3: This is the wedding that this I wanted. Is,
4: this is how it's going to be. <laughs> From now on, everybody's going to behave themselves. Enough of this. And I think the dress was, yes, you're right. We had it basically in stages throughout the whole entire thing. And it will look like this, then this part piece will come off, then this one. And then when she does this, when I say this, this will happen. And it was it was very kind of calculated for sure.
2: So you're telling me by the time you get to booty, in the rundown, in your, in your set, this is who you truly are. Oh, I'm sorry. I miss the what? Booty. <laughs> when, you get, when you get to booty in your in your concerts, this yeah. is where you are. This is who you are. <laughs> oh, you're saying that? Mm. it's like the one big comes yes. Let's oh, mm. yes. uh, like, yes. yes. say mm. Yes. Yes.
4: <laughs> I didn't know you were gonna bring in the shows here. Okay. <laughs> yeah. For for sure, there's always that in my concerts as well. The the costumes. That's why you asked me that because you've come to my show. He knew. <laughs>
2: Yes. So I come to the shows, I, I got J-Lo it. body, I'm all of this in here, okay? <laughs> I got merch, I got a whole scenario over here. <laughs> yes,
4: okay, I get it, I get it. <laughs> oh my god,
2: I have to know, I have to know from all you guys, if you had to break character because somebody said something that you could not hold it in any longer because there were so many parts in the movie where I thought there's no way they did this in one take, right. Anyone.
4: Mm. I we had to have moments like that.
3: I mean, there was—I remember the time you, you, when I when I called you your, your hair to square, you look like a Simpson. <laughs> yeah. She broke, I Oh yeah, that.
4: we had this very emotional scene where I was like, all our family could die, She's like, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, your head looks like a square head, you look like Simpson. I was like <laughs> I mean,
3: What are you supposed, she was accusing me of buying jeans from the ladies department. He
4: looked like <laughs> Cheryl Crow.
3: Said so I looked like Stevie Nicks.
4: Oh, Stevie Nicks, <laughs> yeah. I thought it was Sheryl Crow. I and
2: mean, you gotta come back with something. Right. <laughs> Well, you guys, thank you so much for this. And remember, Friday, January 27th, you can catch Shotgun Wedding on Amazon Prime Video. Josh and Jennifer, unbelievable.
0: Thank you.
1: Look at us getting Jennifer Lopez and Josh Duhamel. Totally not a press conference, totally just on our show.
0: An amazing get as cinephile... Reign Supreme again. Dumel, I believe, uh, if you want to hear more of Josh Dumel, I believe he is on Ron Marcillo's podcast. I haven't double checked him, but I believe I saw that pop-up. So Dumel, we love him, he's awesome. And J Lo, big time. We'll see you at the movies.